Well, that's not true. I mean, they do a lot of it. You know, it's a, it's um, you know they don't have the full selection, but they check protections. There's a lot of plays that we run that have uh, options within the play. So there there may be two plays called at the same time. One's a pass, one's a run, and they have to throw the ball instead of hand the ball off. So there's a lot of things that go on within it. You know, so I I think sometimes that's a little bit of a misconception. In terms of what we do. It's okay. I'm not in the conception business. So. We're just trying to play football. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Chip Kelly, not in the conception business, thank goodness. Nor am I. Yeah, uh, you are actually. <laughs> You're very good at conceiving. Ah, I don't know about that. You think you give me a little too much credit. Okay. Uh, better than me so far. <laughs> yeah. What is that? It's two two nothing. Two nothing at this point. Congratulations yeah, yeah. on the on the newest on the way. Thank, by the way, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah, it's coming Christmas Day, so that should be oh, uh, wow. something else. That's a heck of a present right there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Thanks everybody for joining us, Gold Faithful. Once again, that voice you hear over there is Nick Winkler. I am Brian Peacock. As always, you can uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Review the show; it always helps. Uh, you can email us at goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram. Hit us with that Instagram, Nick. It's a Gold Faithful podcast. And so we have all this social business covered there. And um, so Chip Kelly, I, there's no facade there. Remember Jim no. Harbaugh had great quotes all the time, but it's almost like he had these prepared quotes and he was like waiting for someone to ask him a certain question so he could drop this quote. And there was just, you know, there wasn't. There was no transparency there. I think with Chip Kelly, it's really transparent. I don't understand what the whole Philly thing was with him, and everyone thought he was terrible and weird with people. Well, I, I don't see from, any of that. From Harbaugh being so like in your face, like you know, he challenged you to a duel. You know, yes. if this is back in the 1600s or something. And then you went to Tom Sula, who just was out of his league. You know, he just <laughs> yeah. looked confused up there. He looked overwhelmed. He's that guy that's sweating. You know, when when it's 65 degrees in the room <laughs> and, and and then chip kelly comes in and like you said his demeanor is fantastic and everything you hear coming out of practice and and from the players and from the beat writers and everything is is that this guy knows what he's doing you know he's he's all about precision practice and and making sure everybody's you know on point and and knows their playbook inside and out and man it's 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 like night and day from last season I had no clothes just had a, a pair of sweats yeah it's <laughs> and oh by the way we're gonna have it practice. There's practice happening. Football. There's, it's here. And they've they've got pads on too. Yeah. We got a padded practice. Matt Barrows is gonna join the show, beat writer for the SAC B. Everyone knows who he is, and he's always got a lot of great information. So he's gonna come on the show and and talk to us talk to us about these practices that he's witnessed over in Santa Clara. Um I got I got a lot of questions for him about there's so many great battles going on right now. I mean, obviously front and center, you got Cap versus Gabber, but then you know, that right side of the offensive line is nowhere near being set. You got the defensive back. Who's going to be the nickel corner? Who's going to line up, you know, alongside Bowman there at inside linebacker? Who's going to be the pass rusher on the outside? So much going on. Yeah, we're counting on, on the trained eye of Matt Barrows to give us the winners and losers of certain training camp battles after one padded practice. So <laughs> he's going to know by now. <laughs> yeah. hey, have you started watching All or Nothing yet? I, I've watched it and finished it. Oh, isn't it so good? It's amazing. Yeah, I couldn't stop watching it as soon as yeah. I started. It's great. Yeah, it's like Absolutely. hard knocks, but a full-on season of it. They're already like Larry Fitzgerald, but it's hard not to come away with that and just be like, man, that dude's amazing. Well, it's hard not to want Bruce Arians as your head coach. Yes. Or yeah. as your dad or your uncle or just you your can, neighbor. <laughs> you can absolutely see why why players really want to play for that guy. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. And it's the first time I've ever actually felt bad for the honey badger, too. Right. Yeah. Tyrell Matthew, he's a guy I liked coming out of college. He just, you know, there's the character stuff. And um, in one of my uh, shadow drafts with the 49ers, I talked about him. It was, I think he was in the second round. And I was thinking, man, he's one of my top three guys here. But I don't think you can pull the trigger on this guy with all the stuff that's been going on with him. And you right. see all the things that happen in the league with players. And uh, now we're seeing Aaron Lynch, who's suspended. And it's it's a real bummer. And it's pretty awesome to see a guy who had been in some trouble really turn that around. Yeah. Uh, so you got to give him credit for that. And he's a really great player. And hopefully he comes back strong for his sake. Hopefully he doesn't come back strong for the 49ers' sake because they're going to be playing him <laughs> for a long time. He just signed the new five-year contract. Danger. Show is fantastic, especially like the early stuff when they're talking about they're in the draft, they're in the war room. You know, and they're on the phone with Amir Abdullah, and he gets yes. drafted by the Lions. Yeah, and how premature was that phone call, by the I way? I know, right? Like, hey, we got a couple, <laughs> we're going to pick you here in a couple picks. Yeah, we're not picking it? yet. Hey, how's it going? What are you eating for lunch? Uh, we're, yeah, we don't pick for 45 minutes, but we're going to give you a call and talk to you. <laughs> oh, man. And remember, there was the famous moment where, um, I believe it was Willis McGahee, during the draft, Drew Rosenhaus was his agent, and um, ESPN had cameras there. And when the cameras went on, Drew Rosenhaus is like, hey, Willis, pick up your phone. Pretend like you're talking to a team on the phone. <laughs> and he like, and so he was like, you know, to make it seem like, oh, crap, some other team needs to hurry up and draft him. And he got taken like really soon after that by the Bills. Wow. And everyone was surprised. Uh, is it Rosenhaus? Isn't he Bowman, Bowman's uh, agent as well? I believe he is. Yeah. I think I read something about he was at practice and immediately after practice, they all went upstairs with management. Yes, I did see that. And everyone's wondering, you know, who's who, whose agent is he? What would they be talking about? And um, Bowman, I'm sure there's other players in the 49ers that they've got to be talking long term for clients. Bowman with all the extra money they've got. Right. I mean, that just yeah. And then it's funny because Trent Baalke also had the comments this week about um, about locking up, spending that money on locking up his own guys. Right. So that you can kind of put that together, and I would def not, definitely not surprise me to see Bowman with a with an extension here before the season starts. Yeah, which I would love. I mean, that guy is a beast. He came back. He looked good last year, and it's just another season away from that gruesome injury. And I I can't wait to see him out there. Uh, just before training camp got underway, Josh Garnett signed his contract finally, so that's all great. And the guy we've been talking about all offseason, Anthony Davis, he finally filed the paperwork. <laughs> I he, knew it. I yeah. mean, this has been a long time coming, but it's necessary, man. He's it's, back. Got him under contract till 2020. Everything you're reading is that he looks light on his feet. He looks, you know, healthy. He looks excited. He. You're also hearing a lot of, oh, I'm excited he's back, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff's gone. I mean, you know, you got to say that. To, to the media and you got to put that front on, but you think there's still some uh, animosity against him there in the, uh, in the clubhouse? I don't know. The, the it's, locker room? it's really funny. I mean, they're kind of pretending like things weren't weird for the last six months. Right. Right. Or even going right. back to last year when he just abruptly retired. I don't know if they're acting like they're cool with it. If they're cool with it, I guess I'm cool with it. Uh, most of the fans are like, yeah, whatever. It's over. It's like, oh. it, it, it turns so quickly. They're like, great. All right. Anthony's back. But here's why. Go back and look at game film from last season. That that's... offensive line was horrible. Anthony Davis is a glimmer of hope. You yeah, know, of course, he's forgiven. All's forgiven. Come back. Be, you know, be even a, an eighth of what you were, and we'll take it, man. And it's funny. Garnett's working with the third team at right guard, and next to him on the third team right now is Davis. Um, so it seems like he will have to earn his job back. So it's not like they just said, okay, here you go number one right tackle, I fully believe he's going to win that job back. I mean, like you said, he's in good shape, which is one yeah. of the biggest keys you worry about for someone who's been out. Not only did he miss all of last season, he missed the second half of the year before too. So 
Yeah. It's, and it's he, over he a year and a half since he played. That spot back. I mean, he, yeah. he gave it up. Right. When you give something up, you don't get it right back. I mean, this guy came into camp. He's 40 pounds lighter than the last time he played. He's rested. His mind's rested. He's talked a lot about wanting to come back, and he's back. And let's see what he can do is put the pads on. I mean, they've got one practice under the belt. I can't wait to hear what Matt Barrows has to say about it. I read everything that he wrote about it, but now I want to hear it from his mouth. I want to, I want to see if I can uh, sense the truth coming out of it or not. And so well, let's get into that O-line then since we're on it already. This is from Matt Barrows. This is his offensive line depth chart that he witnessed on on Tuesday's padded practice. So you got Staley left tackle. Beatles is left guard. I think there's nothing's ever going to change about that. Uh, Kilgore is center also. Center. Nothing yeah, going to change there. Right. I mean, it, it, Marcus Martin behind him. Alex Balducci learning a new position has a real uphill climb to even le- earn a roster spot or a practice squad spot. So center is pretty locked in as well. Uh, but right now with the first team, we got Andrew Tiller and Trent Brown. And those are the guys that won the jobs last year. And they yeah. ended the season as the starters. And it's it was weird because in the spring, those guys weren't at the top of the depth chart. And now they're back there again. So that's kind of an odd, odd switch that we didn't see in the OTAs and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, maybe that was just, you know, they maybe they were behind their playbook. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was just Chip Kelly putting, putting the veterans in there just to, you know, give them some respect in the spring workouts. But... Now the pads are on this. Uh, Trent Brown looked good last year. You know, I've got no problem if Trent Brown beats everybody out and wins that right tackle position. I'm with you. I don't think he will. I think Anthony Davis will quickly move into that second team and then uh, get out there with the starters by the time, uh, the, you know, we take on the Rams there on, on the 12th of September. And he might skip the second team altogether. Yeah, too. he might be right. Um, John Theus there is, is doing second team reps at right tackle. Brandon Thomas is on the right side at right guard. Then Marcus Martin at center. Ian Silverman, left guard. Colin Kelly is playing left tackle behind Joe Staley, but he will probably not be the first left tackle. Uh, the, it, it'll be either... Uh, it'll be Pierce, probably. Pierce, yeah. Yeah, Pierce actually isn't on uh, this depth chart that I have. He was, yeah. There's something about he didn't practice or something, but the so, last depth chart I saw before the padded practice was Pierce was running that second... Well, actually, he was running right tackle for a bit, Yeah, too. you know what? He was running first team, so that might be why Trent Brown is back up there with the first team, because I didn't even realize that Piers wasn't on here. Yeah, I um, saw some second team left tackle for Piers, and maybe that's why... Maybe he needed a day off or something. I don't know. Maybe there's an injury there. Let's let's ask Barrows when yeah. we get him on later. And you know, Anthony Davis was a left tackle in college, too, so he might be that guy that would swing over and play some left tackle. Very true. Um, and you, you want your best guy over there. Right. I mean, and that a, would make the most sense. You're not going to throw Trent Brown over there. Right. And it's not like Eric Pierce has been playing a bunch of left tackle in the NFL over the last few years anyway. So, um, Indeed. But there might be a lot to ask of Davis to kind of jump back in and then also start playing left tackle as well. So we might just see him stick it right on the right side, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want anything to happen to Staley. But, yeah, that sounds like a kind of emergency use only sort of thing. And there's a whole lot of names there that we just mentioned. And a bunch of other guys, Norman Price, Blake Muir, Fawn Cooper, um, and, and Theus. Yeah. yeah, and so there are nine guys, probably max. Uh, are, I mean, I wonder if, if Chip Kelly might take a few more offensive players because, you know, they just run guys so much. Right. Um, I know he's had a lot of wide receivers in the past, and that makes a lot of sense because they're going to be running a lot of routes and even on run plays, running people off the ball. So, um, But offensive line, I mean, seven are active on game day usually. Maybe yeah. nine on the active roster, period. Um so that means a lot yeah. of guys are going to be on the outside looking in. They might lose one of the rookies to another team if they try to sneak them on the practice squad. Um, these fifth round picks, you know, in in John Theus and uh, and Fawn Cooper. So 
Yeah, I can't imagine both of those guys stick around too long because, like you said, you know, somebody will swoop in. Right, yeah, you can't sneak those guys on the practice squad, but they've got to beat out Marcus Martin. They've got to beat out Ian Silberman. You've got right. um, I mean, you've got seven when you count Staley, Beatles, Kilgore, Tiller, Brown, Anthony Davis, Eric Pierce, Josh Garnett. That's eight already. That's eight, yeah. We're already one over I there. can't see any of those guys not making the roster. Wow. And that's eight. Yeah. I can't imagine them trying to hold nine on an active roster either. I mean, that or just... what happens is the bulky special where there's that mysterious injury. So instead of being on the practice squad, yes. it's like that rookie that drafted was drafted late, and it's like, well, he's not going to play anyway, so he's kind of hurt. And now we'll go ahead and redshirt him yeah, this year, exactly. So even when guys aren't hurt, he kind of throws that out there. It seems oh, like it. I mean, man, I don't that's know. Totally I mean, happen. I'm sure that's against the rules, but uh, <laughs> but it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll see who comes up with a mysterious year-long injury there and ends up on the pup list. And then, because that's the thing, you put him on the pup list, now you have six weeks to see, okay, does someone else get hurt? Now we can activate this other player. And if you, then if there's no room for him, then you put him on IR and then they're just done for the year. You know, you're talking about IR, Ian Williams, obviously lost for the year. That's brutal. That's a bummer. And he was banged up. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It was an an ankle injury, right? And it happened. But they don't really know what happened. uh, It wasn't during the season that it happened. So It was in Florida or something, right? Yeah. I have yeah. no idea. Well, and I, he reportedly was signed like a five-year, thirty million dollar deal or something, right. but the injury negated that. Yeah, it showed up in the in the physical, and it was Ugh. like, okay, well, we we can't give you a five-year deal on this, and he's going to be out for the year, which is a huge bummer. Uh, one of the most underrated players on the 49ers. and uh, Glenn Dorsey is going to have to pick up a little bit of that slack. Quentin Dial's going to probably play a lot of uh, nose tackle, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. And then um, your boy, right? My boy. Purcell? Yeah, Purcell. Oh, man, I'm loving seeing Purcell out there so much. Yeah, so it's it's Purcell, Dorsey, and Dial, and those are pretty much the only realistic options that could play nose for the 49ers this season. That, yeah, that no some, one else some is younger really guys, But they're more training camp fodder, I assume, coming in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to the battle there on the defensive line. On You know, who's going to line up next to, to Bowman? I mean, what was it, Ray Ray Armstrong yesterday? A little Ray Ray, a little Will Hoyt, and, and, yeah. and the... The reports were good about Ray Ray. Yeah. Um, I don't he know. He was one of the guys that got into the first scuffle, right, with Busta Anderson? That's right, yeah. Yeah, Busta, the well, best you, name on the 49ers. You knew Busta, Busta. was going to get into a scrap with somebody. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of his thing. So I don't – I'm really not excited about any of those middle linebackers. No. Next I, – I just think that if you're looking at sub packages around the field, what, 60%, 70% of the time – and I just think that whoever's over there is not going to play all that much. And then you've got maybe Tart that can come in and play like a hybrid linebacker position like Dan Buchanan does over there in Arizona. Um, and that that's pretty much all the rage is a lot of teams are trying to go to that. And yeah. um, Tart's a little banged up right now, too. Yeah, actually, yeah. Come to think of it, he's got he's on the active uh, active non-football injury list, which means he can, whenever he's ready, they can just activate him. Right. So right. it doesn't that, sound like a major deal. They probably just hold them out because it's early. Right. And at the beginning of camp, that's always the time they're extra cautious. You don't want to just throw a guy in there. People are always tearing their hamstrings and quads. And, you know, it's just take it easy with guys. And, and you got to make sure they're they're healthy going into the season more than anything else. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Defensive cornerbacks, uh, Jimmy Ward starting out there. Yeah, corner. They're, they're talking about yeah. they're not sure if they want to move him from outside to inside when they go nickel. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, that that was his position. That's where he's been most comfortable. If that's his best position and that's on the field 60 to 70% of the time, then you want him on the field. You want him in that nickel spot in the slot. Right. 
if that's his best position, don't worry about the outside as much. But uh, Jim O'Neill said that he doesn't like to have guys that move inside to outside like that. But to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense if that's his best spot anyways. And you're kind of forcing him to play outside in the in the uh, the, the small side of that split. You know, the 40% of the time yeah. you want him out there, it doesn't make sense to, to, to undo the other part where you have him in the middle where you kind of want him. No, I'm not a big fan of, well, I don't like to do that with guys. But if that's what your guy is best at, you, you do it. You, yeah. you do what's best for your team, what's best for your player. You don't just say, oh, well, I don't like him to do it. Oh, come on, Jim. Let's go. Make an exception. Right. And and Ward still has to prove that he's viable outside, too, as a quarterback. Sure. That's yeah, I mean, so- we're getting close to, to preseason games, too. I mean, practice has just started in, what, are we two weeks away? Yeah, it always blows my mind. I mean, the, the Hall of Fame game this weekend – yeah. And it blows my mind how fast it comes because as soon as you start practicing, all of a sudden you get these practice reports and it's like, oh, we got to get ready for a game. Yeah, it's not. It's not, not a lot. Of, whole lot of time to you know, sort of lollygag around out there. It's like, here we go. You've been studying the playbook. We had spring practices. We had the OTAs. Get on it, boys. Let's go. Pads are on. I'm, I don't think the pads are coming off again for a while, right? No, I assume not. Uh, Chip Kelly did talk about uh, padded practice on uh, Thursday when they get back off day Wednesday. Uh-huh. And so Thursday will be a padded practice, and there's going to be a lot of work going on with the uh, the back end, he said, with with linebackers, receivers, defensive backs in pads. So um, that's what, what Thursday's session is going to be all about. So that'll be interesting. Hopefully get some really good reports about um, some battles going on in the secondary and with wide receivers. And wide receiver is another position. It's just wide open. Wide open. I mean, there's one spot taken up, Torrey Smith, and everyone else is who's who's up next. You know, who who can pull away from the pack? You're hearing some Jerome Simpson talk. You mm-hmm. know, you're hearing obviously the the Bruce Ellington chatter with a lot of a lot of hype going on there. And Eric Rogers is getting all kinds of hype as well. The Eric Rogers stuff is the the one I'm most interested because in I know the least about him, and I'm not super excited about all these other names. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unfortunately, but I mean, somebody always stands out. And gets that preseason hype treatment too, because I'm really interested in who that's going to be. It's going to be like maybe a Drez Anderson, yeah, is the guy, you know, and he makes some plays, and people talk him up, and the beat writers talk him up. Hey, he made some good plays in practice, and all of a sudden, fans are throwing themselves off ledges because he doesn't make the roster, you know, when it comes down <laughs> to it. So, right. um, I'm always excited for that player, the Corey Sheets. He was one of those guys back in the day. Um, Chuck Jacobs. Oh man, these names are fantastic. Yeah, recent memory that that was one of the guys, but. Um, and last year, Dandrew White was that guy. Yeah, yeah, everybody was hyping him up. He actually made the roster, but uh, we just didn't see a whole lot. Yeah, zero impact. I mean, not <laughs> the last episode we had Matt Harmon on, and he was talking about the reception perception with Bruce Ellington. Um, and when he was on the field, you know, he was productive, and he was winning his matchups one-on-one with defensive backs and, and, and looked pretty good. But the sample size was so small. You go yeah. back and look at the numbers, and it, what he caught thirteen balls all season. So, I so mean, he could use all of those, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it, we didn't see much of anybody. That's how bad the offense was last year. So even the guys we saw that were on the team, we still kind of don't know. And you know, we haven't even gotten to the biggest battle, in my opinion. It, it's the quarterback battle. We're talking oh, about right. Gabbert, yeah. we're talking about Kaepernick, and I mean. I think it's time. Let, let's bring in the big dog. Let's bring in Barrows. Let, let's let's have a chat. Okay. Hello. Hey, Matt. Nick and Brian here. Gold What's faithful. Up, um, blame Drew Rosenhaus. Blame <laughs> Drew Rosenhaus. I'm always getting on you guys about being on time, and now here I am, 40 minutes late. But it's not my fault. No, it's all good. Wait, what happened with Drew Rosenhaus? We were just talking about him at the beginning of the show. Well, he uh, he worked out a deal for Navarro Bowman. Boom. 
Wow. I mean, that's exactly what we thought. That is exactly what we talked about. We brought that up, and we thought it had to be Bowman. Yeah, well, who else is there, really? I mean, that's that's. I, I hate to take away from Navarro Bowman, but it's sort of a a case of who who else is there to to extend? Right, exactly. And he had I, three years left on his deal. That that never happens. Wow, that's crazy. Well, they've well, got the money to spend. Yeah, Balky was well, talking that, about. Well, that's that's my point. I mean, they got to yeah. spend it somewhere. Right. And they they just can't on other guys like Jimmy Ward. You can't quite yet. Carlos Hyde, you can't quite yet because they haven't they haven't spent enough uh, years in the league. Yeah, or other guys just haven't earned an extension. Exactly. Are we going to give it to Aaron Lynch? Not now. I mean, they, they, that was probably at the top of the list. Actually, he blew that chance. Well, well, uh, it's sadly sad, but true. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so Matt, one of the first things I want to do is give you props. Last time you were on, you had a very good scouting eye in Safeway, and I want to play this clip for you. In fact, I, I ran into Anthony Davis uh, just last week at my favorite uh, interview spot for 49ers, which is the Safeway uh, that's, that's near the facility. Uh, he was in there. He looks fantastic. I mean, he looks like he's in, in very good shape. Um, I talked to him for about five minutes. Anthony Davis is not a guy that, that likes to, to share things. Um, he's, he, like, like I've said several times, he marches to the beat of his own drummer, and, um, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, why don't you just tell me what's going on? I, I, I want to, you know, be able to put out there the, tr- the truth. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to why you're not back with the team, why you haven't applied for reinstatement yet. Um, but he would not, he would not uh, play ball. So that was, I wanted to give you the props for the part that you could tell by looking at him that he was kind of ready to go. And that's been all the reports since he's been into camp is that, uh, that he looks good, he looks slim, he looks trim, and um, unfortunately you couldn't get that out of him and break the news about uh, old Anthony Davis coming back. But it, when you when you look back at all the evidence, of course he was coming back, but he just didn't want to let anybody know about it, right? Well, yeah, like I just said, I mean, uh, this is a guy who guards his privacy and and just doesn't 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 want to play ball. He's, he's almost contrarian in a way. You you ask him a question and uh, sometimes he just doesn't want to answer it for the sake of not wanting to answer it. But, yeah, I mean, he, he was saying all along that he wanted to come back, um, and he did look uh, very good in the Safeway that day. I wish I had actually pegged his weight. Uh, I'm embarrassingly good at guessing men's weights uh, after covering the NFL since 2003. I've got a – the one skill that I could do if I got laid off is, is carnival uh, weight guesser. Uh, at, a, at a fair or a circus or something like that. And, um, yeah, I, he looked like a guy who had dropped 30, 35 pounds, and, and that's exactly uh, what he lost. Okay, here you we know? go. I'm going to give you one then. Uh, Chip Kelly, what's his weight? <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I will I will say that, you know, I, I recently did a, a long piece on, on Chip Kelly, and I went out to New Hampshire, and I talked to a lot of people, and I saw a lot of old photos of Chip, and um, Chip looked like, as a college player, he looked like he was about 13 years old. And then he comes back about five, six years later and um, joins the, the same university, the University of New Hampshire, as an assistant coach. <laughs> and I think in that interim, he put on on the weight that he now has, the, the weight between his college playing days and, and what he is now. And he looks in 1992 like he does now. So... I guess there's a, that's a bit of a backhanded compliment, but once you put on that weight, 
um, you you really look uh, a lot older, and, and I think that's exactly what happened to Chip Kelly. You know, we, we talk about Anthony Davis and, and how he's lost, you know, upwards of 30, 40 pounds. And I was reading your mailbag. You answered a question about Anthony Davis, you know, possibly being trade bait. Is that really a possibility? Well, look, he's a guy who um, rankled a lot of nerves and stepped on a lot of toes in, in an effort, it seems like, to be traded. Uh, so he, he's uh, um, somebody who um, has been problematic in the past. I'm not sure that the 49ers can count on him long term, you know, just given how enigmatic he is. I mean, like I just said, marches to the beat of his own drummer. Uh, He could play lights out this year and then retire next year. You don't know with him. So uh, in that way, um, you know, it's a possibility. If if, if Trent Baalke is convinced that Trent Brown is the future at right tackle and, uh, you know, you've got another guy in Anthony Davis uh, that you can get, I don't know, a third-round draft pick for, say, uh, maybe you pull the trigger. Uh, my conclusion in, in that mailbag was that, you know, you, you don't look a gift horse in the eye, especially at that position. If you've got a good young, and he's still young, only 26, uh, offensive tackle, you keep him. And, um, you know, that's what I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain, or w- at least what I think the 49ers should do, is, is keep him on the payroll while he's playing well and while he's motivated. To go with the rest of that offensive line there, uh, I looked at your article about the, the Tuesday padded practice, and, and the first team was, was Staley, Beatles, Kilgore, Tiller, and Brown. Um, when I when I looked at that at first, I didn't realize that Piers was, was not even on the practice field, and that's why he's not listed here. Uh, but we still got Josh Garnett in the third string. We still got Anthony Davis, and it looks like he's going to have to earn his way back. He's, he's taking third-team reps now. Uh, did he look like a guy that's going to be taking third-team reps for very long? No, he looks very good. I mean, uh, we talked about his uh, his weight loss, and, and that's apparent on the field. I mean, this is a guy that didn't um, show up for any of these spring practices, and neither did Josh Garnett, really, uh, because he uh, was um, you know, a, a victim of the uh, of the rules that, that said that he wasn't allowed to practice if Stanford's classes are still in session. So, really, he only took part in the rookie minicamp in May, and then that last bit of the minicamp – in June, and both those guys look good, and it, it really kind of says a little something about the necessity of these spring practices, if you can miss all of them and then come in and look good in training camp. But um, the point is that both of them uh, right now are playing on the third team line. They're playing right next to each other, Garnett at right guard, Anthony Davis at right tackle, and uh, it, it would be a surprise to no one if at some point – uh, both of those guys are tacked on to the first string offensive line. You know, uh, one of the big storylines, obviously, Matt, is Gabbert versus Kaepernick. You've been out there. You've seen him without pads. You've seen him with pads. How's it looking? Well, I, I think it's a little unfair to draw any conclusions at this point, uh, especially since Kaepernick is really just now getting into the swing of things. Um, you know, he's not as crisp as, uh, as as Gabbert was, at least in the first two days. He came on a little bit on uh, on the last day, but seems to be a little bit more hesitant in where he throws the ball, a little bit more apt to take off with the ball with his legs, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I think there's a part of Chip Kelly that really uh, wants that element of his, uh, of his offense. Um, but uh, like I said, I mean, Gabbert had... A three-month head start on Kaepernick as far as operating the first-team unit. 
in an 11-11 um, situation. So um, I'm going to give it at least another week before you know we start reaching some some hard conclusions about who looks better and who doesn't. Um, you know, even if Gabbard does look a little sharper, it, the the key word there is a little. It, it's certainly not apparent in any way, shape, or form. Um, and um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting to go on. I mean, uh, Chip Kelly said himself. Uh, yesterday that, um, you know, the preseason games, when everything is live, when uh, you're really dealing with a pass rush, that's really going to uh, be one of the big deciding factors in all this, and it makes that uh, opener against the Texans, I think, on August 14, uh, all the more interesting. Hey, Matt, so who are Cap and Gabbert, whoever win that job, who are they going to be thrown to? The, where are the wide receivers lining up? Are they lining up at all, or are we just seeing them sort of up, out there running routes? Can we tell what's going to go on on the other side across from uh, Torrey Smith? It looks like uh, Bruce Bruce Ellington might just have that slot job pretty well locked up. I don't really hear any chatter about anybody else uh, potentially taking that spot from him, but what about Eric Rogers? What about Hugh Pat? What about some of the other guys? I know... Um, some flashes from Jerome Simpson at wide receiver there in camp. What are you seeing there at wide receiver? Uh, no one's distinguished himself on that on that other side. Um, Torrey Smith is lined up on the right side exclusively. Uh, Bruce Ellington, um, as you said, is is uh, pretty much set as the slot receiver, and you can you can just tell that Chip Kelly would love to uh, kind of use Ellington's versatility to his advantage. Uh, you can certainly can envision him taking handoffs, lining up in the backfield sometimes. It, he, he's reminiscent of, of, of some of those small but strong uh, running back receiver types that uh, Kelly had at the University of Oregon. So you can just tell that uh, Ellington uh, piques his interest. It's that, it's that other side, the left side that is up in the air, and, and Quinton Patton is, is sort of the uh, incumbent. He, he's the guy that's been here the longest, and uh, that's why he's got that job right now. But he certainly hasn't stood out in, in any of the practices so far. But neither has Eric Rogers, and, and neither has DeAndre Smelter. Uh, or Trace Anderson, or DeAndre Campbell. I mean, if I had to pick somebody, uh, you know, uh, b- including the spring practices and, and the three sessions we've seen in training camp, I'd say that Campbell is as good as anyone, and, and no one's heard of the guy. And, um, you know, that just goes to show that uh, no one is separating from the pack. I would say that just physically, in terms of potential, Smelter has to be intriguing to the 49ers. He is um, easily the most um, physically impressive, shall we say, of that group. He just looks like a big, muscular guy who can do damage with the ball in his hands. I think he's over 225 pounds, um, just very fluid. Uh, he's just a good athlete. And, uh, you know, what he needs is is uh, time on the field. He needs refinement. He came from a very rudimentary offense at Georgia Tech. Uh, they don't ask the receivers to do much at all except for run a few routes. Uh, so um, he hasn't had the uh, the background that even some of the collegiate guys have had. And, of course, he sat out all of last year while recovering from an ACL. So it, it's just a matter of snaps with him. But um, I, I think he's definitely somebody the 49ers are going to keep around and, and will hope to get a lot of action this summer. You you mentioned that no one's really separating themselves uh, in that wide receiving core. Uh, is there anybody that we haven't 
you know really heard of maybe flying under the radar that that has kind of separated themselves or or is standing out just just in general on the team i mean it could be on the offensive side or the defensive side well i mentioned anthony davis i mean uh you know we all know who he is but i think just the, uh, the the quickness with which he's caught up with the offense and and he's he's looked good is is impressive. I mean, he obviously was prepared for this moment, um, you know, when when he did decide to to come in. Um, you know, in terms of young guys, you know, I, I think I talked about Ronald Blair with you guys back in the spring, but he's just. Um, you know, he's 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 a classic tweener. You don't really know if he's a defensive end or an outside linebacker. The 49ers have been playing him at, at least when I've been watching exclusively as a lineman. Um, he's certainly not with the first or most of the time even the second team line, but he seems like a guy that uh, you can get some quality snaps out of if you put him in a nickel role. So he'd be one of your uh, linemen who lines up uh, maybe next to DeForest Buckner. I mean, it could be an all-rookie defensive line in obvious passing situations. But he just seems to have a, a combination of um, he, he's very fluid and he's very powerful, and, and that's what obviously you want at that position. He's looked good. Eric Armstead, uh, if anybody's jumped out over the first uh, three practices, it's, it's been Armstead. Um, you know, he had a good rookie season. He looks noticeably, um, you know, I don't know the right adjective to describe it, but he's, I wouldn't say chiseled, but um, if, if there was any semblance of baby fat on him last year, it's gone this year. He's a guy that's obviously been working very hard in the weight room, um, seems to be taking uh, on a leadership role, which is necessary because it's such a young uh, defensive line, and uh, I think that bodes well for the future as well. You that's- mentioned that young defensive line. How's DeForest Buckner looking? He looks good. I mean, uh, he's sort of reminiscent of, of Eric Armstead last year. Um, you know, not really kind of um, uh, separating himself um, but um, you know, when, when you're six foot seven, three hundred pounds, you, you don't really um, you need to. I mean, your your mere presence, your your a handful, um, just coming off the ball, coming off the snap. He's going to get better as uh, as things go on, just as Armstead did last year. And I think Armstead is a great you know mentor. Those guys are legitimately really good friends. Uh, going back to Oregon, and 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 there's a a competition as well. I mean, it's almost like having your brother out there with you. You want to perform well. You don't want to be uh, shown up by him. You want uh, you want him to be proud of you. And I think you've got that dynamic going on between Armstead and Buckner already. That's really good to hear about Armstead because that was the the biggest thing that that was the scouting report on him coming out of college is. He was a monster, and we saw it last year in flashes. He would crush an offensive lineman in front of him. So physically, there's no problems there. But people question if there's a little bit of a dog in him. And, and hearing him, hearing about him taking a little bit of a leadership role, I mean, that's that's awesome to hear because the sky's the limit as far as physically. Um, he, he can dominate people. Yeah, I mean, it's a real, it's a, it's a good case study between the two. You have one guy who decided, and I, and I think it's because of what he saw with his, uh, his own family, his own brother, that maybe it's not a great idea to spend all four years in college, and uh, maybe you come out early, and uh, you know, do your last bit of developing there. Uh, that's what Armstead chose. Uh, Buckner, um, you know, went uh, a year longer than him, and was a obviously a top ten draft pick because of that. So. Uh, it's interesting, and, and someday a, a great writer uh, will uh, will put that on paper. Um, I, I'm still 
toying with it in my brain, but I, I think that the dynamics at play as well. I definitely look forward to, to reading that one. And um, I do want to go to Twitter really quick because one of our listeners wanted us to ask you about uh, the, the cornerback versus wide receiver situation. And uh, George on Twitter says that, uh, you know, it seems like the, the corners are kind of winning the battle a lot of times. He's asking if are the corners really good or the wide receivers really mediocre? I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think it's the latter. I mean, when you hear about a receiver making a play in training camp, it's either Torrey Smith or Jerome Simpson, the, the two most veteran guys out there. Um, I don't want to use the word mediocre to describe it. It's just inexperience. There, there's no resume there with most of these guys, uh, and that's apparent. And, and that's why um, it'll be interesting to see who distinguishes himself, because right now it, it's just a – you know, a, a big pack of, of young guys. Um, there's no Anquan Bolden there to sort of mentor the group and, uh, you know, push these guys along. Uh, that's Torrey Smith's job now. So um, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, and I think the preseason games, just like the quarterback, will, will determine some of this. Somebody's got to step up and make plays. Um, I, I would think that at that left uh, wide receiver spot, Chip Kelly w- would want size. He'd want somebody... Uh, who can run those slants and get his arms out there and catch in traffic? And there, you know, there, there's there's a few candidates for that. Um, I, I mentioned Smelter and his size. Eric Rogers is the tallest of the group. Uh, DeAndre Campbell's got size. Trey Anderson has size. So uh, there are candidates there. They, they're just looking for somebody to step up. And back to the uh, the defense there, Matt. Middle linebacker, of course, you've got Bowman there. Just got the new extension. He he's a rock there in the center. But I, I've been hearing, you know, Will Hoyt's lining up next to him. Ray Ray Armstrong. I mean, do, do you know any way that the 49ers want to go with that? No, I mean it's it's a three way race right now. Um, you know, my sense is that they're looking for somebody uh, who makes plays, who's who's got a lot of speed. Remember last year at this time. Everybody was high on Nick Moody. Nick Moody was going to be the guy who replaced Michael Wilhoyt at that spot. Uh, Nick Moody didn't even make the team. So, <laughs> right. I mean, uh, things can change. And um, just uh, as, a, as a credit to Michael Wilhoyt, he's often overlooked in this, um, Nick Moody didn't make the team because he, he, he couldn't be trusted out there. I mean, um, you, know, you need to be able to, to make the calls, to line up the defense. And, and Michael Wilhoyt is a very smart guy. He's a very savvy guy. He knows his, uh, his stuff. Um, and you're not going to get him on the mental game. I, I think that they would just like somebody who's, who's faster, who's bigger, um, who can make uh, more plays in coverage. And, and that's why they're getting Hodges and Ray Ray Armstrong, both of whom are former safeties, um, a look at that position. Matt, I got one more question for you. Since we're talking about middle linebackers, you broke news at the beginning of the interview when you came on here. Do you have the details of that new Bowman contract? Yeah, so he was signed through 2018. Remember, (laughs) Drew Rosenhaus was at a practice in 2012, and then a a day later, uh, Bowman signed a uh, a big five-year extension through 2018. Um, This tacks another four years onto that. So Navarro Bowman is signed through the year 2022, you know whether whether he makes it to that uh, that that uh, level. Uh, who knows? I mean, um, sometimes that's not the case. Just look at, at Patrick Willis. But um, it's it's obviously a uh, a reward for all the hard work he put in last year to overcome that that grisly uh, knee injury. And and it's also a a signal to 
the an otherwise uh, very young defense that, you know, if you do things right, um, you will be rewarded. And by the way, we have a ton of money to spend, so uh, we're we're looking for guys to to uh, sign to extensions. He's the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows. Matt, thank you again so much for joining us. Thanks, Matt. All right. Anytime, guys. That's big time right there. Matt Barrows breaking news on the air. On yeah, Gold we had Faithful. to wait a little bit for him, and you know that's why. I'll take that any day. Yeah, too bad our show's not around. Yeah, too bad our show's not live. Everyone's already going to read about it by tomorrow morning. Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> So, yeah, Bowman signed up through age 34 season. That sounds like a 49er for life right there. I like it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. He's he's solid out there. You love watching him. You love the comeback story. And, uh, yeah, he, he, if he keeps playing at this high level, I don't see why they wouldn't, you know, keep him around and until that contract expires. Maybe give him another one. Absolutely. I'm seeing on online right now on Twitter photos of, of him and his family, three little youngsters there. He's signing the contract with his whole family around him. It looks Melts cool. Melts my heart. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. A family man yourself now. That's right. So I, I do want to talk about this real quick about uh, Bruce Miller. I'm kind of mm-hmm. getting excited about it. He was one of your top five right. possible reception leaders for the 49ers. I didn't have the guts to put him on my list, but um, I did talk about his potential as sort of a move tied in, and I was excited to hear a Chip talk about him after practice on Tuesday. We have a move tight end, and that's really what a fullback is in today's National Football League. So I, I think there's a lot of things that we do that he did in the past here. So um, I think he's transitioned really well. I think the one thing we didn't know about him is, is what a real savvy route runner he is, and he's done a really nice job. Um, a lot of the things that Bruce had done in the past was just flat routes out of the backfield and maybe an occasional wheel down the sideline. But you know, to be able to operate in the middle of the field and kind of win matchups with linebackers and things like that, he's... He's really shown a nice knack for that. So I think the more he continues to show us, the more we can start to kind of really take advantage of that versatility. But he, he he's done a, he's done a nice job, and um, he catches the ball a lot better than I thought he was going to catch. Love it. So we didn't even talk about that with Barrows. The tight end, that's another yeah. position, man, just wide open. I have no clue so, how that's yeah. going to, you know, I, I don't know which role that's going to fit into because um, both tight ends were targeted in chip system in Philly. Zach Ertz got a few more, and he was the guy that was split out a little more, so you would think maybe the move guy would be the one to get more receptions, and the inline guy used a little bit more as a blocker, but I guess it kind of depends on on what each guy's strength is. Yeah, I mean, it's so early. You know, we, we can we can sit here and ask Barrows questions all day. It's a lot of speculation. You know, next week we'll have a much clearer view. Maybe we'll have Matt on it a couple weeks again, and maybe right after that first preseason game, and we can just, you know, pick his brain once again because – Oh, man, there's nobody that I like talking to more about 49ers than Matt Barrows. Oh, if Matt Barrows would – we don't want to ask him too often to come on. He would probably come <laughs> on every week if we asked him to. But, uh, yeah, we can a change the more... name to the Matt Barrows podcast. <laughs> the Matt Barrows and two other dudes <laughs> podcast. I liked it um, because he definitely brings the knowledge. And, and next time we have him come on, some of those uh, camp battles will really have started to take a little bit of shape and, and we'll have some more definitive answers there. So I'm uh, looking forward to that for sure. So there's this, this, this is kind of old news, but a couple weeks ago, NFL.com ran a poll for fans to vote on games to be uploaded to YouTube. Mm-hmm. So each each team would get three classic games uploaded by fan vote. So 49ers, uh, you can guess there's a lot of really good games in 49ers history. Uh, number one is the 1981 NFC Championship game, the catch game. 49ers sure. and Cowboys. Uh, that got the most votes. I got 30 per, 38% of the vote uh, for, nice. from from fans at NFL.com. This, the second one was, and that's before my time, unfortunately, but, I mean, everybody knows the catch. And I don't know, 
I know occasionally they'll play like ESPN Classic or something or NFL.com will play old games. I don't think I've seen that game all the way through before. I've seen the catch a billion times, obviously. Yeah. Uh, sprint right option. But uh, I've never seen that whole game. Have you? No, definitely not. Yeah. That's it's up on YouTube? It's. I don't know when they're going to upload them, but I'm just... I'm going to keep my... Uh, yeah, I had a link to the article, and I haven't checked if the games have been uploaded yet. This was like maybe two weeks ago when they, they completed this this voting process, so I'm assuming they're probably up by now. So what was number two? Uh, number two was Super Bowl 23, 49ers, Bengals. Yes, Montana John Taylor Tatale. back in the end zone. Yep, that's it. That got 26% of the votes. My very first football memory. That's See, that's where, yeah, that's where I kind of come on, and that's that's my childhood of, like, understanding what was happening and being like football's amazing and the 49ers are the best team ever and what luckily, I my family already loved won. the 49ers we won yeah we won <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's when you start being like okay my favorite player is ronnie lott my favorite right. player is jerry rice my favorite player is joe montana i was joe montana for halloween once oh me too i had a oh, joe we? montana full-on with the helmet and everything yeah. i wore that all the time oh dude yeah it, it, like with the crappy plastic helmet right yeah yeah dude oh yeah i got amazing. pictures everywhere we should find two pictures of us in those and i sort of one of my friends and put them up on our page. Yes, one of my friends does have that photo somewhere. Yeah, I definitely do. That's awesome. Yeah, we we'll gotta find that out. We'll get our social media strategist to I work gotta, that out. I gotta make a note of that before I forget. Yeah. Okay, Montana jerseys. Montana jersey. Halloween. All right. Uh, and the third game that will be uploaded for 49ers fans is the 1998 NFC Wild Card game, uh, the TD. From Terrell Owens, the T-O-T-D, catch, catch two. Catch two. Yes, and that's 49ers-Packers, and that was an awesome game, too. That was one oh, of those yeah. where I was just freaking out. And Dude, Steve Young almost falls down on that drop back. Amazing play. Just oh. Steve Young, everything Steve Young did was amazing and looked like the weirdest, most clumsy. That's what made him even more awesome. He's my favorite 49er of all Is time. Is he? I, yeah. I, I'm still partial to the, the earlier crew with Montana Rice. Ronnie Lott, I weren't 42 when I played football. Nice. Uh, when I was younger, because I, I loved Ronnie Lott. I made everywhere because of Steve Young. Wow. Yeah. yeah awesome. Still to this day, I'm playing in a baseball league. I, I chose the number eight, and that's why. Nice. Yeah. Oh, man. I just, I can totally mimic his throw, too, and I'm not even left handed. <laughs> that's but the I thing. Learned it. That's I why Steve Young's so great. And everything. Because non lefties can still mimic his throw. That's yeah. that's what makes him great. The, the ball is always like f- flopping around in a yeah. weird semi spiral. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Joe Montana didn't have a great spiral either. No, nothing tight about those, but they, hey, they worked. That's all that matters. So, and the other side of that coin is that all these other teams' fans voted in games too. So, there's four other games involving the 49ers that are part of this NFL.com um, YouTube upload. Really? But as you can guess, the 49ers are probably Seahawks fans, obviously, on the losing side of some of these. I mean, Seahawks fans, NFC Championship, right? Yes, uh, 2013 NFC yeah. Championship game. Richard obviously Sherman defection. Yeah, sorry, ass Crabtree. Don't test me with sorry ass Crabtree. Right. Scaring Aaron Andrews. Poor Aaron Andrews after the game. Oh. That was 2013. Um, 1992. This is what's funny. So <laughs> the Bills have been to four Super Bowls, mm. and one of the games they voted in was a week two game. <laughs> 19, <laughs> 1992, the Bills Niners, a Jim Kelly outduels Steve Young, defeating the 49ers 34-31. The game featured no punts, first time in NFL history, over 1,000 total yards of offense. Wow. That would be a fun one to watch even for 49ers fans, even though they don't come out on top. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah I can't wait till these are posted, man. Yeah. And then uh, 42% of Ravens fans voted in the Super Bowl. Of course. Yeah. And uh, Ray Lewis. The blackout. Yeah. Ray Lewis's last game is one of the notes on this, too, which is, I totally forgot about that part of it. 
when he went out to the 50 yard line and ascended into heaven. Yeah. <laughs> he had a pretty good game. <laughs> he did. If only the 49ers would have picked up Anquan Bolden before that game. Oh, goodness. That was hard. That's hard to think about. And then the last game 49ers are involved with is 1987 NFC Division playoff game, Vikings and 49ers. Uh, the Vikings wow. upset win on the road at Candlestick Park to beat uh, the 49ers, who were the best team in football at that time. Oh, man, that would have been heartbreaking if you were yeah. there. And I, I don't remember that one very well. Hey, do we know if they're going to wear those black unis again this year? I did read somewhere a long time ago that they have that on the schedule. They're planning to wear that at least one time at home this season. All right, I, I like don't it. remember which watching, game that is, though. Yeah, all, all or nothing. One of those games is, was when the Niners had the the black on at home against yeah. the the Cardinals, and it reminded me how how much I love those. Yeah, those unis are are, are pretty nice. Um, it's hard. It, the first game it was really hard for me to tell who the heck was who. Yeah, that was a little bit frustrating. Except for Aaron Lynch, who had the white long sleeves. <laughs> You're like, so oh, right. I can see Lynch from here, but everybody else, I'm not exactly sure about. Right, those numbers kind of blended in a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, there's no border on the numbers. Right. So on the TV broadcast, things are moving quickly. 88 and 89 looks exactly the same. They need to get a gold outline on the red. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if they'll, they'll change those up a tad, even if well, they, they do. Well, they sell more jerseys. I mean, it only makes sense. Right, because it'll be, it'll be a different color for people to go out there and grab, even if they've already got the other one. Yeah, yeah. I, they better. Let's put it that way. All right, that'll do it. Yeah, another We're, week closer to, to real games here. Yeah, next time we speak, there will have been a real football game this year, and we will be gearing up for the 49ers' first game against the Texans, which happens on the 14th. Yeah, they're um, going to have a couple of practices, too, with them, I think, right before. Right, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So lots lots of good stuff to be talking about. We get to see a lot more camp battle and some on-the-field battles coming up. Ten Very days. exciting. Yeah, we'll probably have some updates for you as well on uh, on depth chart. And things like that, especially when it comes to that offensive line, that's that's pretty much the most exciting action going on right now outside of Gabbert v. Kaepernick. Gabbert versus Cap, and that'll of course just be covered to death. So we'll we'll know the score of that. Yeah, everyone should yeah, know what's going on there. Absolutely. Thanks to Matt Barrows. Thanks everybody for listening. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock. You can find Nick at Bay Area Wink. Subscribe to the show. Review the show on iTunes. You can call us on the phone line, 415-858-0094. Drop us a line. You can drop us a text, a message, and email goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. Instagram, at goldfaithfulpodcast. So many ways to get a hold of us. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time. See you.